Hello and welcome to Boy Park Art, a podcast for creative people in the north of Ireland and beyond. Thank you for joining us if this is your first time here or if you're coming back again. And if you want to see more of the work that is talked about, you can check out Boy Park Art on Instagram. Or if you have any questions or topics that you would like covered, send a message. The email is boyparkart at gmail.com. For today's guest, I'm talking to Lauren. Lauren is also a master's in fine art student. Hello, Lauren, and thanks so much for coming on to talk with us today about, well, a bit about yourself and how you got on with the show. You were in the second half of the E-Quadrant show just last week. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. Big fan um, of my fellow MFAers, incredible podcast. No, I'm really grateful to be here and hopefully give you a wee bit of insight um, to what the second MFA cohort were up to this past week. Um, I know, you know, you know yourself, it was pretty hectic and yeah, challenging, um, but it was all good. And I can't wait to kind of tell you all a wee bit about it and about my very talented peers. Yeah, excellent. Can't wait. Um, so last week I sort of talked a bit about everyone's work that was part of the first show uh, but I was so exhausted I'm not sure I've done them justice at all but hopefully and um, we'll get them on to speak about their own work at some stage then too. Yeah it's it's definitely a lot of pressure and hopefully I do the guys justice it's it's just so difficult everyone's practice is so multifaceted and has so many different layers contextually conceptually and then aesthetically on top of that so hopefully I can give a well-rounded experience to what e-quadrant part two was and is yeah I'm sure you'll do it well I have no doubts Lauren <laughs> that makes one of us and <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you want to start off by talking a bit about the experience of the show to start with and then we'll go into talking about each person's work yeah I know it sounds good um so the show itself obviously was a bit of a challenge and was extremely different to I think how we expected this show to be and how we would be presenting our work when we signed up to the MFA course. So COVID has obviously impacted a lot and challenged a lot of people in so many different ways. And But for us and our course, it has meant the facilitation of a show online, um, which <laughs> I think none of us were expecting is definitely pushed us all out of our comfort zones. Um, I think in a, I was chatting to you about how we've never documented a show in the way we have for this show. That's definitely struck a chord with me of it is possible, so why not? Because it makes it so much more accessible to everyone else. At the start was my thinking, and then actually doing it, I think has changed my mind. I don't think I ever want to look at a website editor again um so as part of the show everyone kind of got delegated things to do um so part of that I was working with Katrina um doing the PR on social media helping her out with that and then editing the website and all the material which I thought that'll be easy that's just a small little task but um with my very talented peers who were showing a lot of them did performances and they're very interesting and would recommend 100% to go to the MFA Instagram page and view those performances. Um, we shout out there, um, but it I have to embed them all onto the website and definitely 
I thought I knew how to work website editors, but it definitely was a wee bit of a challenge. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of challenges with showing virtually, like I say, it's not something we ever dreamt that we would be doing. Maybe we're in denial because I was even, even coming up to the show, I was thinking, oh, it'll definitely be cancelled. You know, it'll not, this can't actually go ahead. You know, it'll not happen. Did this that affect you creatively? I think it did a bit I, because it wasn't, I held off until, right until the Monday of the install before I definitely decided what mm-hmm. I was going to install I like I had the writing done but I hadn't got mm-hmm. anything further and it, I just was sort of thinking it's not going to happen I think the uncertainty did impact me as well I had plans and thoughts and then I had panic as we as the date loomed closer and I was like well this is happening like this is happening and then I had this real fear that the first group would get their show and that we wouldn't like there was so many things that I had thoughts racing around my head and obviously things aren't the best at the moment and we're in a lockdown so I was I was shocked that it went ahead but I'm glad it did in a way and I was actually kind of glad of the divisiveness of the two groups initially I thought oh I kind of wanted this communal feel where we all showed together and we're in it together the way it would have been if things were normal and we were showing in a gallery but actually how we divided it meant we could facilitate more with our sister shows it was really great because it meant Katrina and I could install that exhibition whilst your guys shows was running and then when our show was running, Susan was able to take that all down. So there was a lot of delegation that occurred and support and encouragement throughout the whole process, wherever that was in attending a virtual tour about your work, for example, I was there. I was like, and that was a great experience for me then to know what it's like on the other side of the screen before going into my show. Yeah. Um, or if it was helping with the tours with each other, we're just going and buying a sandwich for someone, which was very nice thank you Landy for buying me a sandwich <laughs> yeah it's the small things that matter isn't it but you just remember yeah, there when you were talking about an uninstalling the ephemera show mm. and I've just completely lost track of something so where has something gone I think he's on the fifth floor okay. I believe so Susan very kindly grabbed a trolley and brought up my two satin skirts and my wellies and branches so I abandoned my branches in the studio. I did not bring them home with me. I did grab my sparkly wellies because they are essential. Essential. (laughs) I do believe I seen Stumpy floating around the studio spaces. So we must just be hanging out with the branches somewhere. Yeah. But we'll we'll locate him. We'll locate him. I'm going in, I think, maybe tomorrow, actually. Um, I painted my wall blue. So the poor first year who is meant to inhabit the exhibition space as their studio has a bright blue wall if I don't go in and get that sorted (laughs) yeah well it was a lovely color of blue lovely shade of blue it really Mm -hmm. did tie in your painting with your other do you want to talk a bit about your install actually first yeah um so I presented two kind of parallel works as Una was just kind of talking about there so I presented a large-scale painting And then I installed beside the painting um, a set of drawings on a blue organic form painted wall. (laughs) That's a bit of a mouthful, but it's hard to kind of envision it. So I do recommend going to the websites and the links, which I'm sure will be in the bio of this podcast, um, to kind of see the visual representation of all the works. But 
I installed 30 drawings and those drawings came from a concept that I've kind of been using as a nearly a practice of therapy throughout lockdown where I kind of imagine my day into one singular image and I call it my mind's image and it's nearly a form of reflection but also something I find very grounding um, especially in this pandemic so you know I'll go out from a wee walk my wee daily hour exercise and it's whatever I maybe notice um, so I've moved to the countryside um, I was a big townie before so I think I do have this new found appreciation for my surroundings and it means certain things are popping out to me a bit more and kind of like the impressionist painters kind of talk about the longer you're in a landscape the more you see and the more color so they're quite vibrant drawings and previously I had a very muted color palette um you know I don't know if you'd seen that within my work it had been a bit darker and now it's a lot more vibrant so that's kind of bared fruit in those drawings because yes for me initially they were very preparatory for the paintings so I never expected to show them and it was kind of a last minute act of I think vulnerability um, to share this kind of encapsulated moment of time of my life on a wall for everyone to see well, but I'm glad I did I'm glad I did I know it was beautiful yeah, I remember seeing your work earlier on when I first joined the MFA and wondering how on earth you were going to progress from that, you know, because to me, you're already an established artist, already knew what your style was. And this is the work you've done and you're recognised for it. And mm. to me, I was like, oh, imagine, imagine having been there and being at that stage. That's amazing. But how are you going to change it or what are you going to do and when I started seeing the pops of mad pink and blue and that starting to come up on your pictures that you were sharing on Instagram and stuff mm -hmm. I was like oh I'm very curious to see where it went and it's absolutely stunning the the piece that you have displayed you know the, the large piece mm -hmm. and I love all your on their own the, the other paintings as well are they paintings or drawings they're they're compositions of paintings but yeah and they're mixed medium so there is charcoal there is some paint in it there's ink there's pen there's pencil there's markers there's anything I could just get my hand to but I still see them as drawings I think but yet they have the potential to be paintings so potential paintings could be a way to describe them maybe I don't know <laughs> but I think yeah when I came onto the course I've had to break a lot of habits as a painter and as an artist the course itself is really kind of pushed me out of that and there's a lot of elements now that I see as preparatory practice and it's poetry it's walking it's collages it's drawings or potential paintings I'm trying to break the habit that that stuff isn't worth showing because I think as a painter that's how my mind works I'm like must show final product of painting but I'm trying to break those habits down and like my potential paintings have a right to be shown because sometimes they they give more than the painting occasionally you know more of the story that I'm wanting to tell or the narrative within the work for this kind of interim review e-quadrant show I think that was the most that I gained from it was this feeling of vulnerability and this act of vulnerability I think I've seen fruit from that and I think it's gonna go through into the work into our final show I don't know I say that now um but okay. we'll see how it goes but it's definitely shown that my potential paintings have a right to be there I think <laughs> in whatever shape or form they take I agree completely 
it's very yeah you can see that you're being vulnerable by putting them up you know and I think it was definitely worth it there's something very uh, generous about displaying your work in progress as well if that makes sense mm. oh, your paintings. what are you calling them your my potential paintings potential I think I'm going to refer to them as <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would refer to my poetry as that and nearly even my walking practice that I've kind of become quite ritualistic in doing I think that's the thing I have a lot of ritual in my practice which kind of ties into the themes of the sublime and the meeting of some sort of spiritual connection in landscape so I feel like even my practice is now tied into my conceptual reasonings a lot more too so showing that kind of shows that repetition and ritual aids into the interpretations of those themes as well so it was a very successful show really wasn't it yeah so actually we're just touching on the kind of showing off um sketches and stuff Katrina who showed work opposite me um she had a sketchbook in her space that she had been working on throughout the lockdown and it was so rich and I just couldn't believe she showed it and now she she made the decision as an artist to not virtually document that but anyone who got to go on the online tours got this exclusive preview of this intensely rich like diary nearly off Katrina's lockdown she could nearly have shown that by herself like by itself it was just the stuff Katrina produced for the show was incredible and she showed in her space an installation of what she would describe as her experiences of being so overwhelmed by the environmental issues that are currently happening with her ideals for the world and for animal rights and for saving our planet which are such important issues and she shows it in a way that's so accessible through comedy and through this performance so Katrina had an installation where she made a room through tape so it wasn't actually physically there as a room as a performance artist she activated the space through two performances throughout the show, uh, one being on the Thursday morning and one being on the Friday. And both performances are quite participatory. That was quite interesting for her as a performance artist with this online setting, having this kind of practice of engaging with people in her performance to then have to facilitate that through a live stream or with only maybe four people in the room. But she is so engaging when she goes into this character of this kind of clown-like being, speaking in her mother tongue, as she refers it to, uh, in Latvian, and yet communicates her ideas so clearly, even though, for example, for myself, that language is inaccessible to me due to my lack of understanding. <laughs> um, and same here, I don't have a word of it either. I know, but um, yet I can fully see and engage with what she's saying through her use of body language and performance and use of objects so she had these objects that she found which she called her colorful trash in her space she had objects that she handmade that were to deceive you as trash so she actually had this crisp bag that if you had just seen it you would have thought that's just a crisp bag but she had hand painted the crisp bag she had meticulously painted over this exact image of the what's it bag <laughs> And it was so deceiving. And then she had what she referred to as her art objects in the space. And like, along with that, she produced video art and had her performances. It was just everything knitted together, these ideals of 
what are you doing? You need to wake up. This is, and we kind of talked about the dialogue our work had, do you know, mind being such like a natural landscape? Yeah. Then Katrina's being, this is what you're going to do to it. This is what you're losing nearly. Lauren's work is what you're losing. My work is what you're gaining is kind of what Katrina was saying. And it's like, it, I think it was, and then the relation of both our vibrant colors kind of tied that in together. And it looked quite well as as parallel, like sitting opposite each other. But her work was so engaging and the performances were quite provocative in that nature. She really presented her work in all areas. You know, she used any way she could think creatively to send out her message she used. And it was the overwhelm, you know. I watched her performance, I think it was on the Thursday, and she got out her marker out of her bag and and wrote up the wall and everything. So Mm -hmm. it really did use that marker. That marker was an animal marker, like to mark livestock. So it wasn't even just like a paint marker. So like every little detail in that space and in the performances were so well thought. Anything she could use to send a message, she used. So I find her work just so engaging and it was so interesting to hear her talk about it and would recommend you look at her talking about it on our website where we have documentation of her virtual tours where she will tell you a lot better than I am about how amazing her work is. <laughs> we'll definitely put a link to the website in the, in the show notes. Yeah. So Katrina and I were showing in the white space and we had one fellow student who showed in the white space too called Landy Kirkwood she did a performance as well but she also presented work that it's very it was so interesting it has a personal link so her mother originates from Colombia is Colombia and she presented work that really challenged museum ownership on objects that aren't from their culture so she presented this plinth in the middle of her space that had this raspberry pi which is like a mini computer where she had a video artwork on it of a colombian artifact and i don't want to say the wrong name but it's very beautifully done and it's kind of glitched um landy has a lot of interest in glitch feminism um which she explains about in her texts and in her videos and behind this kind of object that she laid out like a museum so kind of challenging that issue she had text eight a4 pages i believe um in spanish overlaid and kind of like red and blue like a 3d print of a text that she wrote um which has a lot of mythology but also true stories in it which is really intriguing on our website she has a link in her artist page on our website with the translation of that text which is like mirrored side by side with the Spanish so there's challenges of accessibility there and it's just it was so interesting to hear the personal story so her mum actually helped her translate and write the piece which is lovely because that's like involvement the family and there's heritage there and Landy talked about how she didn't feel connected so much to her mother's side as she did her father's side being Irish So that was, there was things about her work, especially the family connection that I was unaware of. Like I knew her interest in mythology and the museum and glitch feminism, but I didn't know about the family connection there. So that was so, it was again, quite a vulnerable act. A lot of the work shown overall, um, my work, Katrina's work, sharing like the political and social ideals she has and Landy sharing her heritage like there was a lot of vulnerability but Landy also 
produced a performance, you know, um, where she inscribed the word lengua in the red and blue. It was quite mechanical in how she did it. Um, and there was a rhythm to it. And there was an exact procedure of where the line when she was filling in the text, started and where it ended. And it looked like a machine had nearly done it. Um, and the word she wrote was lengua, which means tongue in Spanish. So there's a lot about communication accessibility within her work. And again, the activation of the space. She built the table during the performance and then laid out the scroll. And it's all those tiny details of the font she used and the connection there and the colours and this idea and concepts of the glitch. It's, it's just so much rich kind of conceptual background to the work, um, which I really enjoyed getting to know more about. Yeah, I loved seeing the performance as well. How long did the performance go on for? I think I only seen part of it. Yeah, so Landy's performance was about an hour long, so hers was a lot more durational. Um, Katrina's both lasted about 10 minutes each if maybe a wee bit longer than that um, but yeah it was an hour long it took her to fill in this one word and the scroll kind of goes on and Lengua has written so there was kind of like a stencil of it there for her to fill in the word and the scroll goes on and Lengua has written the stencil is there forever so there's potential for more performances which is really intriguing I think that's something that a lot of the work I think presented you know within our show has a lot of potential for where it will go further and I think that's the same for your guys show it's like we're still in the midst of our MFA you know we're in the middle kind of area where we're, we're still thinking well what's next well what's next as creatives um I think there's a lot of potential for the work that was shown to kind of further more which is exciting so that was the only artist for us that showed in the white space um the two other artists that showed Declan and Andy, they um, showed in the dark space video pieces, which is really interesting um, with it being an online tour. That was kind of like, how much do we show of this video through like a video through a lens, through a lens. So we had a lot to kind of navigate on how much to show and sending links prior to see the whole thing because it's meant to be received, like not through a camera lens, you know, on a screen, it's meant to be on your kind of visual screen. So navigating those kind of things were quite interesting. I don't know, you know if your group find that too. Uh, Susan was showing in the dark space with us. Her films up on that big screen projected up there and in that dark space are just so immersive and so beautiful. You have to be in there to experience that. I don't think mm -hmm. looking at that on your mobile phone is going to do it any justice. Yeah. To be 100%, 100%. I'd say it's the same with Declan's and Andy's as well, that you would have to see them. I don't want to say suffered, but I think as far as the digital show went, it was quite, it worked out quite well. There was a lot of good points to it, you know, like where all the reach and like say that how it was documented. Mm -hmm. But there's some things that you just have to experience in real life. Yeah, I think anything that uses scale can be difficult um, which is everything in a sense so the kind of I think dark spaces in particular yes like any video that's meant to be projected to a certain scale to then be viewed on a mobile phone isn't maybe how it was recorded to be um, I know Declan was, that was something he really talked about during the tour was and actually inquired with us how did we receive it you know on the big screen like did that change you know how you viewed it from like a phone or a laptop you know what yeah. do people get from it and so it's because when he made it he intended it to be a certain scale yeah and he wasn't even able to come to the show yeah he, he wasn't on 
scale himself yeah mm-hmm. so Declan and Andy both were unable to actually attend the university due to different circumstances because of the pandemic whereas you know Katrina myself and Landy were present but you know so they were asking a lot of questions of us like how how does it feel in the space because that was they both made that their videos with that intention I think it's it's similar in the sense Landy's artifact or little computer Raspberry Pi was so small and part of that was the viewing of it so small and going up close and you try to imitate that with you know bringing the iPad up closer on the online tours and you know again my paintings would be quite large scale and I think that monumental feeling and I think Landy has that kind of approach too. So tell me a bit about Andy's work then. So Andy's work is incredible so she was showing very like she was touching on concepts of the universe so very monumental in how it should be received. So she again was working in video for this dark space setup that we were just touching on there, Ina. She produced this work where she is using an analog medium to produce a digital piece, which is really interesting. And part of her virtual tour, she was actually showing how and talking about the process of her making. So Andy uses film, like video film, and interrupts it with, different means wherever that's you know soaking it in tea or using flowers or you know there were so many different things she had done to interrupt this film to create different reactions to them which she scanned so then there was digital intervention because it was always inverted so there was like an element of chance to what she was going to produce and she added these scans which nearly honestly it was so painterly for me I was like your stills could be what I am trying to create as a painter on a canvas you know and she is touching on these kind of sublime themes of the universe and you know how it moves in different times and you know how we enter oh it's it's so incredibly deep in her theory and again I would recommend you listening to Andy discuss this on the website but how she presented it as an artist speaking about her work in the virtual tours and showing her practice I think the making of her work is so different I haven't came across an artist doing her practice you know or using like it's so experimental and I know Andy originally was a printmaker and this direction has came from the lack of facilities to printmaking due to COVID-19. Yeah so maybe if COVID-19 hadn't come about she wouldn't have come up with this process you never know. Yeah and she's also using her own music she's creating it herself and someone asked her in the video tours were you a musician she was like no no I want to be like I'm going to be because she is pursuing to learn the piano but I was like you are like you created this musical piece yourself and she was looking for specific effects Uh, she wanted the music to kind of kind of consume you and like it creates quite a a sci-fi experience but also it's like building to something she's incredibly talented and her like learning a new software like learning how to edit videos creating her own music creating this new kind of practice it it was incredible and the work she produced I think was I thoroughly enjoyed it and being immersed in the dark space getting to be one of the very honored few it was one of those things you know as we were talking about that you just have to experience in real life well hopefully maybe someday we will get to yeah hopefully a degree 
show we'll be able to be immersed in Andy's incredible work yeah and then Declan's Declan's work was also in the dark space but very much different to like Susan and Andy's where you mm-hmm. can get lost in it and be mesmerized I think Declan's is a bit more uncomfortable but I think that's his intention isn't it yeah so Declan's work I was actually so happy I got to experience Declan's work the first time I refused to watch it on my phone at home because he sent it to us in advance and I was like no I am watching this in the dark space um because I'd seen like a little kind of still of what it was gonna be with his like his face that close yeah Um, Declan again is kind of like Andy in a way where this pandemic has changed how he would have shown he said himself in the virtual tours if Covid had not been here and this show was not online I would have been doing a live performance he is a performance artist well a silversmith as well you can never forget that which is incredible in itself where he's came from in his practice yeah. and the work he's producing so he produced a video piece for those who haven't seen it where it's very intimate he's very close to the screen it's a lot about narrative um, and the use of words and he uses some really interesting techniques to kind of unbalance the viewer through repetition and rhythm his dairy accent is very lyrical in a way <laughs> And it kind of, you, you become into this kind of, you're, you're in the story, you're in this trance and he breaks that up and distorts it with his repetition of lines like words or I knew the becoming, there was a line like that and it's quite unnerving. So we were talking about it, did we feel fearful in our reaction in the dark space or as a viewer of the virtual tour? And one thing I kind of came to conclusion and experiences work was I felt more of a dread than like a fear of him because I felt I knew the story was fictional and Declan said that in advance and his exploration and fictional narrative but the story I felt like it, it was him speaking in the perspective of this child and I felt dread I was emotionally involved due to maybe the intimacy of the visual and maybe even maybe I didn't fear like feel the terror that or the the fear or the intimidation that some people had of that because Declan is familiar to me and I know his voice but he his work is one of those works again that is so worth experiencing firsthand but the narrative is so rich and the fact he wrote it oh it's beautiful in a way too how he lyrically composes these stories and the rhythm in his voice I just find it so consuming in a way as well but there is definitely dread for I was emotionally invested in the narrative so I think he succeeded that way (laughs) I think it was a success for for all involved really it really was it really was I think even though there were so many challenges and specifically for Declan and Andy you you know showing a video in a space that was you know through a camera through you know through a lens through a lens I still think it was received so well and I heard that from people who attended the tour you know personally they said no it like it worked well you were still receiving the message yeah and again having them there to explain it into further fruition was just a gift that most people wouldn't get you know going to an exhibition having the artist there yeah 
and likewise for the artists so we wouldn't normally like you said before we wouldn't normally get that experience of being one-to-one with every visitor as they mm-hmm. see and sort of be in control of what they're looking at and hear their reactions in real time yeah every, for every visitor yeah it was a lot more a personable experience than I thought it was going to be I thought oh we're online like this isn't going to be tangible for people but I feel like in a way it was more personal and more one-to-one than any other exhibition I've ever been a part of. Again, the documentation was stronger. The connection between the viewer and the artist in a way was more, there was more communication than any other show I've been involved in. You know, you would get the passing comment of, oh, that looks great. And, or I, I enjoy your work, but you never got this kind of communication and feedback that was so rich. And yeah, it was encouraging to see that there was a lot of different people engaged with the show and hopefully because of our documentation and because of the website people still can which I don't think is ever like there's a longevity to the show that never was there previously yeah, there's definitely some plus points to having had a virtual show mm-hmm. definitely future. Definitely, <laughs> definitely could use it in the future for the, maybe the degree show it's definitely possible I think with a group of people but I don't know <laughs> if I would want to deal with it by myself on a solo show it's yeah. a lot of work I think it's definitely a team thing really and you know I I probably done the least I think <laughs> when it came to it and to see how well everybody worked together and just got everything done you know I was so impressed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. like I think you know, you did so much with the zines and everything I know but that's not much really but <laughs> well you could say I think everyone did like a little I feel like special mentions to Dryden yeah to Dryden Susan and Katrina yeah and Emily with her documentation as well it's fabulous I was sitting going through all the photos last night while I was editing the website and was like these are beautiful you know and captured so well yeah so overall I think it went really well if we had if we were told that our end of year show was going to be virtual as well I don't think I would be as gutted about it as I would have been if you before Christmas maybe yeah before we I, think, I think we would all be devastated deep down because it's not what we expected you know but I think we're a lot more equipped so I think it would make us more confident in going into that if it was a necessity I think I think we'd all be a wee bit sad though there's there's nothing like an open night isn't there you know you know a wee glass of wine we we nibbles on the side can't even share crisps anymore it probably wouldn't be we nibbles on the side anymore hearing that scratching that's the dog it's not me honestly (laughs) yeah no I don't think it'll ever completely replace meeting face to face and and having opening Mm. and doing that surely Mm. but it was still a good experience oh 100 percent. i'll be interested to see where we end up by a degree show a lot of my work i like to work quite large and if i could figure out what space or where i'm gonna be that might dictate the size of the work like will it fit in the door Hmm. (laughs) because i'm gonna have to probably be working from it at my wee home studio just that's been something i don't know about you and that's been a bit of a struggle you know working from home a wee bit more than with thought yeah <laughs> Do you miss the buzz of the studio this week highlighted it to me you know I think um I'm I kind of like working from home more mm. although I can see benefits to it as well we're we're on a very similar position actually I was thinking about that because we're both going to be finishing uni now in 12 weeks with 12 week countdown is on Laura yeah, yeah. don't um, say that that actually my eyebrows are like <laughs> yeah. and I was like sorry <laughs> if you could see my face right now the panic yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. So I was going to ask you, you know, how are you preparing to transition from uni to mm -hmm. working from home full time yourself? Yeah. So I, as I kind of touched on when I was talking about my practice, I have recently moved and I'm recently married. Um, so I'm in a lot of transitions in my life presently. Um, so the thought of leaving university, it was like my one remaining stable. But I feel like the pandemic in this sense I have been working from home um predominantly I've been going into university once a week you know for a crit or for a tutorial and I will I will stay the nine to five the day I go in but I was someone who was a nine to five girl in the studio since my foundation year Monday to Friday so there was a bit of a change of routine and in some ways I'm quite thankful and in my in my old home my family home I wouldn't have had a space to work whereas in my new house I have a wee outhouse now it's freezing I'm very thankful to my mother-in-law she got me a wee gas heater for my birthday <laughs> to keep me warm in the studio and she is a fellow artist so she knew my pain and got me a gas heater it's so, <laughs> so thoughtful so thoughtful I love her dearly and I'm very thankful and I feel thankful to have a space and I kind of touched on my surroundings have drastically changed the practice and I don't think I would have been able to break away from my old habits without this space um, it's honestly become quite a sanctuary for me and I do think the pandemic has helped me prepare in a sense for after university because I'm starting to adjust working at my home studio and figuring out what does work for me what doesn't long term what do I need to do to make this space a functioning space yeah so one would be get the heating in <laughs> especially the weather we've had with the snow and all this yeah. way I've been sketching inside more than anything well bar when I've been website editing <laughs> yeah. well I think um, for me um working from home during the pandemic and stuff that's why I haven't really panicked so much about it because one of the first things I've done was sort out a space I could work here mm -hmm. and then as well as that I had in my mind I'm gonna have to transition out of uni anyway so it's gonna have to come so I might as well be used to it now yeah you feel like though you're paying all this money for these studios which are class and you know they're incredible and I just feel like I am not making the most of it but at the same time I'm trying to put my health and well-being um family members who are vulnerable so the house that we live in is actually owned by my father-in-law it's his childhood home you know he would be up it's his it's his sanctuary in a sense as well like it's his it's his place but he's been so welcoming and opening and saying this is for you to use until you guys can stand your feet or if you want to stay you know we yeah. don't know what the future holds but we're so thankful for this kind of platform as a young couple right now and I am so thankful as a wannabe artist <laughs> you know for the space a wannabe artist I think that's how we all feel I think every artist feels like a wannabe artist if we're all really honest yeah. I was I was chatting to Una before we were recording there and saying about how everyone is so multifaceted and I'm just like, I just paint pretty pictures. What am I doing? <laughs> and you feel a bit overwhelmed sometimes, but my number one cheerleader is my husband. And he was like, I was telling him this in the car on the way home from the show. I was like, Scott, I don't know how I'm going to do the virtual tours tomorrow. And he was like, no, you make art. It is beautiful. Shush. <laughs> um, 
but he's very blunt but he's yeah. he's honest I know he doesn't lie to me so <laughs> yeah, well that helps doesn't it no my yeah, man, he's, so, he's no help when he's been encouraging I'm like is he telling the truth or not <laughs> See, always that's thing. he's always like any project or anything I think of he's like yes do that do that do that he doesn't stop to think you know you can't actually do all of this you know yeah <laughs> have to draw no, somewhere and rest. Scott is the most practical person and also the most honest person I've ever met in my life for the good and the bad on that one but honestly he'd never lie to me and that's the thing he was just like you've got this like your work is good and I know he will tell me when my work's not good he's like that painting it's great shush calm yourself down and breathe like he really helps me like I think lockdown for a lot of people has affected their creativity through their mental health and that was stuff and I think that was why I decided to show my drawings because I was honest in saying, actually, I struggled over the lockdown and this practice of drawing these potential paintings was therapy for me. And it really was. And it was the only way I was keeping the creative flow going. I had a few family events at the start of the year and my dad's not that well. And just like everything just kind of came down to you once. It felt like that. And I think it felt like that for a lot of people. You know, and I think for artists, some, it was the most fruitful creative period of their life, having this kind of freedom of time and space to make. But for others, it was creative block and it was a battle. Yeah. Well, do you find, I thought that the interim show was a really good way of sort of looking and going, no, actually, I I have done work. Mm -hmm. I'm here, I've got this. And then now I just need to calm down and Mm -hmm. resolve it and finish it off. Whereas before Christmas, I was, even even after Christmas, I was going, I don't know what I do. You know, at least you know you're a painter. (laughs) Well, well, I don't know if I I'm a wannabe painter. (laughs) No, I think, um, like you were saying, it was, I felt like I was not working, like, the pandemic really and family circumstances really made me slow down and kind of recalibrate because I was like a conveyor belt for paintings I was like bish bash bosh I in my final year of the BA I produced 46 paintings wow 46 and like some of them were huge some of them were eight foot by you know oh yeah you're not talking A4 or anything yeah I'm not talking A4 and I mean I was just producing and it wasn't that they were they were good quality I thought you know now obviously I was selective in what I showed but I, I was just a machine of, I was just constantly working. I didn't take any time for self-care or reflection or meditation on the work. And I think what the pandemic and the MFA has nearly taught me is slow down, really think. So that's why I've kind of said my potential painting work, the drawings, the poetry, the walking. I spent the first like three months of the semester, like September, October, November, just doing that. The paintings only began to come into play now that I've done the preparation. Yeah. 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 But I feel like that's been fruitful. So maybe there's something good that has come from all this this slower lifestyle that we've all kind of got into yeah and I think it's more sustainable isn't it on a long term <laughs> thing even for our mental health and all too so that's something that's come up for me recently as well as I've started to notice that I've always done a sort of cycle the whole way through like I'll work 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 and then not even just on artwork you know any kind of work that mm-hmm. I've got 100% into it until I get to a stage where I can't do it 
do that anymore and then I have to start from scratch all over again and then I do the same sort of cycle so now getting to the stage where I think I need to focus on working sustainably and something that'll be more long term yeah I definitely think the newfound practice I have is definitely a lot more sustainable than what I was doing prior and I think I think for a lot of people this pandemic whether you're an artist or whatever you're pursuing in life it's been a wake-up call and it's been a how it's made you recalibrate to where you are at and how you can look after yourself better and look after the people around you better and for me I think the practice in itself has evolved for the better and hopefully like I know probably after university I've been quite blessed to be in the situation that my work has been selling enough that it's been feasible for me to not work while being on the MFA Um, and I'm very grateful for that and I'm very grateful to have a family who support me and a husband that supports me to do that and a father-in-law that provides a house for us to be able to do that and let me kind of focus on my studies and the painting but realistically after university I'm going to be kind of probably doing part-time art part-time you know hopefully something in the artistic field of a job I have a few interviews lined up and stuff so I have to watch this space yeah all crossed everything crossed and um, how do people find out more about you if they want to find you Oh, they can check me out on my website, www.laurenkirafineart.com. Or I have my Instagram, which is at laurenkira underscore art. Or I'm on Facebook, laurenkirafineart. And that's all I think you have to type in. I go by my middle name because... I had a foundation tutor. He said to me, "Oh, don't don't use your maiden name just in case you get married. <laughs> then you don't have to worry about changing anything." No, I hadn't met Scott at that stage. Oh, she God. just was ahead of the game there. I I I had no boyfriend at that point. <laughs> well, I had a different experience when I um, joined. I went to Ulster to start with. The first interaction I had with a lecturer was asking how I went about getting my email changed because I had just got married like the week before and she was pretty much told me don't be doing that you know because you'll get divorced (laughs) (laughs) the opposite yeah wow wow no well here you can let me know how to do that because I still haven't figured it out I'm still Lauren McConnell at university and it's quite funny it hasn't changed that much was McConnell previously now McCulloch yeah I think that's making it more confusing though I honestly thought there for a second you were saying you'll have to let me know how to do that as in divorce but oh no no (laughs) change the email change the email email. much easier much easier much easier I'm only a few months in you know hopefully it doesn't get that bad (laughs) no it'll not okay well thank you so much for coming on to talk to me this evening Lauren it's been great and it's good to hear what you've been up to and how the show went for you and hopefully you'll come back and talk to me again another time I'm sure I would absolutely love to that's been great yeah okay thanks so much